0: Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. entrearchitect.com slash free course. Download it right now. We'll teach you how to build a thriving, profitable, small business for your architecture firm. entrearchitect.com slash free course. Go do it now. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 224, and this week I'm speaking with architect, teacher, powerlifter, Marilyn Modinger of Runcible Studios about how incremental progress is the key to long-term success. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and much more at RCAT.com. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work that you love. And Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Marilyn Modinger, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast.
1: Thanks, Mark. Great to be here.
0: It's great to have you here. This is going to be fun. Let me just uh, let's introduce you to our audience here. Marilyn is a great friend. And she's a longtime Mm -hmm. supporter and a contributor to the Entree Architect community, so she's very active in what we're doing. And she is uh, the member facilitator of the infamous Entree Architect Academy small group mastermind number three. Yay! She's running that show over there, doing a great job for us. Um, Marilyn is an architect and founding principal of Runcible Studios based in Boston, Massachusetts. And in addition to practicing architecture, Marilyn has Worked as a construction project manager, a contractor, and an estimator. So she's got both sides coming coming to you. Uh, she's taught design studios, construction detailing, and theory courses at the Boston Architectural Center uh, College. Sorry, Boston Architectural College, mm-hmm. right? It's college. Yeah, right? No, it's college. Yeah. Yep, it's college. Yep. The Northeastern University and Wentworth Institute of Technology, and was the director of practice, instruction, and community engagement projects at the Boston Architectural. College, because I have it written center here, <laughs> where she directed nearly 80 student-led projects. She has lectured on her research and has been a guest critic at Northeastern University, Boston Architectural College, uh, University of Virginia, UC Berkeley, Harvard GSD, Elon, Wentworth, R, uh, RISD, Univers- you name it, she's been there, <laughs> so, Has either has been either a guest critic or has lectured many, many different places. And in addition to all of that, she's a power lifter. Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> it's true. You heard me right. As in terms of lifting big heavy weights, she's a power lifter. So I think that's awesome. <laughs> We're going to talk about that a little bit. I think that's a great analogy for the profession of architecture, <laughs> truthfully, and, and it, lifting these giant heavy weights. So it is. I, I, I want to get into that story. But before we do that, I want to invite you to share your origin story, go back to where you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect and tell us the journey from that point to where you find yourself today.
1: So, um, I knew that I wanted to be an architect before I knew what an architect was. So I actually, um, like many little girls had Barbie dolls and, um, I would actually play with them, not, in the sort of traditional way, where you make them talk to each other and dress them up, but I would build them houses out of cardboard. And I would also ask my mom to buy those plan books that used to be in like the grocery store, yeah. like in the in the aisle where you're checking out, and I would take them home, and I would get out this little tube of whiteout, like a little pot of whiteout, and white out all the walls, and redraw <laughs> them where I wanted them to go. Uh,
0: improve the plan uh, books.
1: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> And I just, I didn't know that there was a job where you actually got to do that. I just thought that this was really fun. Um, So I was always building things, forts and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that and drawing things. And I just um, always wanted to uh, do those kinds of things. And as I got through school, um, I didn't know any architects growing up, so I didn't really have anyone to say, oh, that's the job I want to have. Um, And as I Um, I remember taking an aptitude test in high school where they said, uh, where the guidance counselor brought me in and shared the results with me and the results were, it was a tie between two different professions, auto mechanic and theater stage actress. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, both of those sound pretty awesome. (laughs) Um, but I hadn't really considered that. So, um, when it was time to look for colleges, uh, by that point I had figured out that, Architecture was a thing. And so I was visiting architecture schools. And when I walked into an architecture studio at it was at UVA where I went to school. And when I walked in for the first time at age 17 and I saw studio and the mess and everything, I was like, these are my people. This these are my people. This is how I think about stuff. I think about the practical, I think about the whimsical, I think about all this stuff. And um, I said, what do I have to do to get in here? <laughs> what do I have to do to, to be part of this? Um,
0: and if you think so, about it, if you take the, 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 uh, the stage actress and the auto mechanic and you smash them together, right. <laughs> you get architect. It's an architect, <laughs> <laughs> clearly. <laughs> so,
1: uh, so it all kind of worked out. Um, I feel like I fell into it um, complete with complete luck. I was told at different times that I shouldn't do it because I'm bad at math, which is not true. I am not bad at math. And architecture, as we know, is not just about math. No doubt a
0: high school counselor told you that. Yes. Yes. Yes, which is not. A common, common, common uh, experience with many of us.
1: Yeah. So I kind of, I I loved architecture school and just never looked back.
0: So. So you, you went to UVA, University of Virginia. I did. And then, so you, uh, once you graduated from there, what happened? where did you go?
1: Um, after, uh, so my fourth year of undergrad, I took part, I was a project manager for a project called Ecomod, which was run by John, John Qualley, um, which he has now taken the project to university of New Mexico. But at the, in those days, that was the first one at UVA. And we actually designed and built a modular house, um, that was, um, very sustainable and, and. Um, was also an affordable house and that, uh, the act of, of, drawing it and then building it with my peers just changed everything for me. I was like, I didn't want to go work in an office. I wanted to be out in the field building things. Um, and I just love the process of actually me drawing something and then me building it. So that's so, what that, with
0: that eco mod. That's what that was that you, your, your group designed it and built it. Yeah, we did. Very yeah. Cool.
1: Students. Yeah. And we had wonderful mentors from um, the community who were helping us, but yeah, we did. Um, and with all the mess and learning that that entails. Um, and so I got a job working basically as a construction laborer at that, uh, as that project was winding down and just sort of worked my way up from there, um, and learned construction from the field and ended up being uh, in that field for about four years. Um, so ended up actually getting to, to design some things that were built. I designed a school that I ended up building, which was amazing. Um, I was doing things like managing framing crews and figuring things out in the field and, and hiring carpenters and doing all that kind of stuff as, as um, had an amazing mentor um, at that company, at that, at that contracting company and, and, I just really loved working construction. Um, But I always knew that I wanted to to be an architect. And so I applied to grad school after about four years of doing construction Um, and went back to UVA for grad school. Um, I was already in Charlottesville. (laughs) Um, And so why not? So I went back to UVA for grad school.
0: Um, And yeah. And then so. So you went back to grad school and um, so when you came out of grad school, did you continue construction or did you then decide you're going to pursue architecture?
1: Um, Well, when I finished grad school, there was this, this recession thing was going on. So it was, uh, it was tough to find work. Um, And so I decided to um, go to Jamaica for the summer, actually, instead of um, better than the
0: other two alternatives. Yeah. Well,
1: actually it was a field school. So I was, it was applicable. So I was in a field school actually where we were documenting historic structures um, in Jamaica and I was um, learning historic masonry and carpentry along the way. So it was great. Um, And I always tell this to people who are just graduating, like, this is an opportunity to go do something, um, to take some time to go do something else and not jump into work right away. Cause once you start working, you get your 10 days of vacation and you don't get to do it anymore. So (laughs) Um, and, um, had a couple of, um, sort of possible job offers, but ended up moving to Boston, um, to work. Uh, I was teaching at, um, Northeastern and working for UTL um, here in Boston, which is an awesome firm. And, um, so I did that for a few years. I also had one SOM fellowship at that point. So I was traveling around the world, um, doing that, uh, documenting, and speculating about um, vernacular architecture that I was encountering around the world. So that was pretty fun. Um, And then uh, after that, I had a stint at the Boston Architectural College as an administrator, where I was working um, on uh, community design build projects, basically like connecting groups of students to work with local nonprofits on small design build projects. Um, We did like 70 or 80 of those when I was there. and I loved that. I loved it a lot. Um, at the same time, I wasn't, an, I wasn't being an architect, and that's what I love best. So I um, decided, as one does one day, to just start a firm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm always amazed um, when I interact with the Entree Architect community or, or other groups where people are taking so much time and being really careful and being really thoughtful and like setting everything up. And I was like, wow, I just sort of woke up one day and did it. Which I'm not necessarily recommending, um, although there's parts of that that are that are good. Um, to just yeah, for, kind of do for it. when you actually do it, <laughs> you just do it, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was four and a half years ago. So I've been uh, Runcible Studios has been a going concern and operating in the black for four and a half years.
0: So when you when you decided to start your own firm, was was it something that sort of has, was sort of I knew that you wanted to be an architect throughout the whole process from college all the way through, but the actual trigger to start, you said that one day you woke up and you decided that you're going to start this firm. Was it something that sort of just kept nagging you that you wanted, it, you wanted to start it? You wanted to start it. You wanted to start it. And then finally you said, okay, I'm just going to do it. Or was it like you were working as an administrator and you like what you're doing. And this one morning you said, now's the time. I'm just going to go do this. Was it sort of out of frustration or was it, it's just an epiphany?
1: Uh, a little bit of both. So I felt like being an administrator, like I said, was awesome but not necessarily um, the right fit for me long term. And so I actually had to finish my ARVs and I was like, I-, I have three more to go and I had structures and, and which was looming large for me. And I, I thought, well, you know, I think, I think I need to pass my exams before doing anything else. Like I, whether I get a job as an architect, or whether I start my own firm, I need to pass my exams. So I actually left work without a clear plan of I'm starting a firm or I'm going to work for someone else. My, my sole goal was to finish my areas. I have to get those out of the way. So I did that. I discovered that I passed structures on Christmas morning, <laughs> which gives you a little sense of my personality. Like I did open that letter on Christmas morning. Like (laughs) I was like, either this is going to be awesome or terrible. (laughs) And it was awesome. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I basically, I, I had a couple of little things that I could do that someone was going to pay me to be an architect for. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'll freelance for a couple months. And if after four to six months I have enough work that I can see a future here, then we'll launch. So, I, um, left full-time employment at the end of, uh, November and officially launched Run- Runcible in April. So, you know, what, that's What year that's was that again? Six months. Uh, the official launch was 2014.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so like four years or so.
1: Yeah. So I just celebrated my fourth birthday.
0: Yeah. Yep. So. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank that's, you. That's a big, that's a big birthday. It's a big number. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like I'm almost ready for kindergarten. Yeah, I mean, four four years is 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 a big deal because those first three years are figuring it out, right? And we're all still figuring it out. But yeah, to get to four, it's like okay, I'm doing this. There's no turning back here. You know, I'm I'm figuring it out enough to keep going, and I'm learning from my lessons, and you know, we're getting better at this.
1: Yes, and you you have a chance to try out your systems a few times in a row. And everything isn't the first time you're doing it or even the second time. It's the third or fourth time. Yeah. Um, and our projects take a long time. Like projects take a while. You can't just quickly iterate. Um, you know, a project takes a year or two to complete. So, yeah. And,
0: and you do you do mostly residential or commercial?
1: Um, well, so this is where I just fly in the face of the advice, the very good advice that you give, Mark, which is that <laughs> I do not <laughs> do a very good job of specializing. So my background is mostly in housing, whether multifamily or single family, sort of custom stuff or developer driven things. Um, And that's primarily what we do at Runcible. At the same time, I see, because I see my practice as a long-term thing, I also am taking on lots of different project types as a method of research, as a way to understand how different types kind of work together as a way to diversify to make sure that I'm I've got like different sort of weight, um, streams of, of income. Uh, but also as, as a way to satisfy, um, my rather boundless curiosity. So, um, it, it makes things difficult at times, but I enjoy being able to do, so we'll do anything from like a small, we have a small porch that's under construction right now. And we were only brought into that because it was, complicated from a zoning perspective, but we'll do something like that up to, we've done feasibility studies for developers, like up to half a million square feet, or, um, we've done industrial projects, commercials and retail, um, but mostly housing. That's, that's most of our,
0: most of our work. Right. And you pretty much market to that, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you have target market. You just take on other work too. And yes. and that makes total sense, especially knowing your background with research and that's who you are. And so yes. it makes total sense to to do other things and learn and want to experiment. So great, <laughs> so you're right on target. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, so you said your firm's name is Runcible Studios. I, I just wanted to just mention that because a lot of people probably are wondering why Runcible, where that name came from, and what inspired you to name your firm Runcible.
1: Well, two things. First, I didn't want to name the firm after myself because first of all, no one can spell my name and pronounce my name. So that's not a good idea. Um, And I also wanted the firm to have the flexibility um, to be able to work without having my name be at the the masthead, basically. So
0: So you branded it. um,
1: Yeah. So. Uh, And the word runcible is actually from a poem written by Edward Lear called The Owl and the Pussycat, which I think was written in the 19th century. Um, And he never really defined the word runcible, but uh, people speculate that it means it's a descriptor of an object that is both utilitarian and beautiful. So, um, and that poem, so it's a great word, first of all. Yeah. Um, but that poem was actually the first book that I ever read when I was a little girl um, And it had these beautiful illustrations like all these Interesting buildings in it actually then I would sit there and pour over this book when I was a little girl and so uh, You know, I, I always thought what I would name my firm I thought about it for years and years and years and then when it came time to name it a name came out of the blue And that's what it was.
0: Yeah. And it was
1: none of the things I had been thinking it was this
0: so. <laughs> I love that Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. So it's right around the corner. It's, it's next week. Entree Architect is heading to the AIA Conference on Architecture on June 20th through the 22nd. I'll be there in New York City. And RCAT is heading there too. RCAT is headed to New York City For the AIA Conference on Architecture, are you going to be there? Come visit the Big Red A at booth 707, 707. Don't forget those numbers when you're in the Expo, 707 on June 21st and June 22nd at the Javits Center, where every morning, Arcad's going to be serving coffee for visitors. And throughout the day, they'll have their BIM expert, Robert Wagan, explaining their new Revit plugin, Biminit. So stop by booth 707 anytime to learn how RCAT can save you time and money finding products and information for all your projects, all completely free. Remember, just look for the big red A, you can't miss it, and learn all about RCAT and how they can help you save more money, get more effective, be more efficient as a small firm architect. Visit entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, Track your time for your whole team by project and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. And getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice seconds after starting their free trial. I did exactly that. The same goes for tracking time, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors and viewing financial reports. It's fast. It's easy. It's life-changing. And if you need help at any time, their free award-winning customer service is just a phone call or an email away. And if you ever have a second thought, don't worry. On top of your free trial for Entree Architect listeners, you get a free 30-day money-back guarantee. So you don't ever have to worry about choosing FreshBooks. You can give it a try for 30 days. Just visit EntreeArchitect.com slash And then let them know that we sent you by sharing Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's EntreeArchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Check them out to access your free unlimited 30-day trial. Payroll and benefits. I'm just going to let that soak in a little bit. Payroll and benefits. Payroll and benefits. That makes my spine tingle. Payroll and benefits are hard especially when you're a small business like us. You don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations, and the old school payroll providers, they just don't get it. They aren't built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy for you to get it right. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. And to help support the Entree Architect podcast, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Listen up, sign up today, and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to EntreeArchitect.com Gusto. Go check them out at EntreeArchitect.com Gusto and claim your free three months of payroll processing. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. If you go to your website, uh, it's uh, uh, Runcible Studios (plural), RuncibleStudios.com, um, and you go to the About page. Under in that About page, it talks about the, what you know the background of Runcible. And there's a photograph of the book behind the story. So if anybody's interested, it, it's, it's actually, it's a background, so it's hard to see it. But you can see the intricacy of the illustrations and why Marilyn was so attracted to it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> or you can go to the library and get the book. That's true. <laughs> yes, you can. So that's, that's awesome. And so I also mentioned in the beginning, in the, in the intro, that you're a power lifter. And this is, more, this is a more recent uh, experience for you. And so you've been doing it for how long now? A couple of years?
1: Uh yeah, like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, two years, I guess.
0: I wanted to, I wanted to get into that a little bit because I, for one, I don't know a lot of powerlifters, um, <laughs> and and uh, you're a friend of mine, so I follow you and I and I you know, celebrate when you achieve your goals. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit. What what sort of I mean it, it's it's important for us to all be physically active, especially as architects. We're sitting in front of computers all day long. If you don't get up and go exercise occasionally, you're, we're all going to fail and, and become ill. Um, and so we all need to do something physical. And so what inspired you to become a powerlifter rather than <laughs> just going to the gym and you know taking, <laughs> taking some aerobics exercises? What, what, what attracted you to powerlifting?
1: Uh, well... Um, like so many things, the origin story goes back a while. So I, uh, in college, I had to take a phys ed class and I took lifting because I thought it would be a good thing to know how to do. (laughs) So, um, and I, I took the class and I really enjoyed it. Um, and so since, since then I had always just had lifting sort of as part of my gym routine. And I always really liked it. And I don't like cardio very much at all. So uh, it's just not it doesn't agree with me. So yeah. I, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, whatever. So we do what we have to do to stay in shape and to be, you know, um, reasonably active humans. But um, I just always felt like I enjoyed lifting. So I lifted just as a casual gym goer for years and years. And then, um, I actually, um, made friends with someone who is a competitive powerlifter, and he said, you should come to the gym with me and I, and do a powerlifting workout. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so I did and I just did whatever he did. I just sort of followed him around and did what he did with less weight.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but let that be known. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is pretty cool. And so I started to work with him and he showed me the ropes a little bit and then, um, I ended up getting a coach um, to teach me even more. Um, and then sort of as these things go, at the beginning when I first started, people, um, my friend or my coach or whatever were like, you should compete. You know, This isn't just a thing that you do to, to kind of do in the gym. You have to go compete. That's what makes you a power lifter. And I said, yeah, right. That is the last thing I will ever do. I am not getting on a platform in front of tons of people and lifting heavy weights in front of them. Like, I will never do that. Um, So fast forward (laughs) to to a year into it, I was like, okay, yeah, I think I should try this. Um, And that first meet, I'll never forget, um, was just so amazing. It was so fun. Um, And I actually um, really, really enjoyed doing that. What
0: what was it about it that you... You loved so much. Did you, Did you? right up to the point where you did it, was it still sort of an apprehension? And then after you did it, you're like, wow, I love this. Or once you were there and you saw the excitement and you were ready to do it, you knew that this was something that you loved to do competitively?
1: Well, uh, a little bit of both. I think that, so for that first meet, I mean, let, let it be said that I, what I was, what I was going to compete with the the numbers that I was going to be going for were so low compared to anyone else in my weight class or other female lifters. Forget about like what the guys are doing. Like it was just so minimal compared to other people. And that's actually really important because to go into a place where you are definitely going to get last place, and you're not there because you have a chance at winning. You're there because you have a chance at proving something to yourself mm-hmm. um, is really cool. And so that last, the last lift uh, of the day where I, I had a new PR on my deadlift and which by the way is now a warm up weight for me. So speaking of progress, um, yeah. that somebody took a picture of me and I'm like leaping over the bar in just pure joy and everyone in the room was cheering for me and was tell, told me after like great lift. That was so great. There is no, like it was so, it wasn't about the weight on the bar. It was about the the fact that I had never done that before and everyone in the room could see how hard I worked to achieve that moment. And so that's the moment I was hooked for sure. I was like, I was in the car on the way back and I was like, I'm doing this. I got to do this again. <laughs> And so I got more serious. I got much more serious in terms of researching. I started listening to all these podcasts. I started to get much more serious about um, what I eat um, and just put um, making other life decisions that helped support uh, my training.
0: It became part of your lifestyle.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yep. so you said there was something that you wanted to prove to yourself that first time there was something you were trying to prove to yourself. What, what was it that you were trying to prove to yourself?
1: Well, I'm not sure if it was like a specific thing, but there's something, I guess it appeals to me to, um, see, see something so much of what we do as architects is, um, is the long game. You're like, you're trying really hard to get a project completed or to build your business or to whatever. There's something so pure and so satisfying about seeing weight on a barbell and it's sitting on the ground and your job is to pick it up. And you will know if you're successful because you stand up with it. Done and done.
0: Right. It's like you super either stand clear. up or you don't.
1: Right. And I think that for me, it's it's a really great compliment to what I'm up to professionally because of that reason. So, for me, I I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy the simplicity of it, but also knowing now, having been more of a student of it for a couple of years, like how complex it is actually like how complex it actually is to stand up with a really heavy weight that yeah. you've never lifted or all that goes into that moment and that training and months and months and months leading up to it and all the choices you make. So, but, but in the moment of execution, it's very simple and it's a combination of all that quantifiable stuff, all the numbers, all the training, all the, the careful way you plan your, your, your work and heart. Like it's both of those things. Both of those things have to come together. It's the quantifiable and the qualitative, which I'm always saying, you know, to my students that that's what architecture is about. So yeah,
0: yeah. I can see that. I can see that, and I never looked at it that way. But but if you look at it in terms of of um, you know uh, the the technique and the, and the, every step of the technique to lift that much weight and to do it without hurting yourself. Um, and training yourself to, to do that over and over and over again so it does become simple and easy when you do it. Uh, I could see how that would be very appealing. Um, how, how do you think, because now you've been doing for a couple of years, there's been lots of progress in the last couple of years. Um, you've achieved much higher levels at this point. Uh, you actually just recently had a competition where you won, right?
1: Well, okay, so thing. <laughs> Is a, a little bit participation trophy heavy, but, um, so I won my weight class and age group, which there may have been another person or two. Um, <laughs> <in it. laughs> uh, the, so yes, I have experienced a lot of progress yeah. for myself and my numbers, but I am by no means competitive with those numbers yeah, yet. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Just give me, give me time.
0: Yeah. And we're talking, we're talking, we're talking weights here. So it's not something that you just keep, you know, you can't build that much muscle in that short amount of time. This is a long-term sport that the only way you can get to the upper levels is to continue doing it every single day until you get to those upper levels. You can't, you can't shortcut it.
1: Exactly. And talk about another parallel to building a business. So you can't, you can't show up on day one, And be ready to compete with your business like that. You you can't. You have to. It's all the little decisions that you make. It's all the like making sure that this part is organized, making sure that you're, you know, managing your stress, making sure that, you know, all these little things come together. And it's all the little decisions that after you make the big decision of, I'm going to do this, then it's every little incremental thing that builds something. It's, it's, it's absolutely a a slow process, but slow, not in a bad way, just in a reality way.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's the long haul. It takes, it takes a lot of patience. And you also said when you, when you decide, when, when the trigger was flipped from, I'm just going to do this for fun to, I'm going to do this competitively. You said the first thing I did was start doing research. Yeah. It wasn't (laughs) about lifting more weights. It was about what do I need to learn? to do this more effectively and more yep. efficiently. And yep. so you went to the books or you went to a mentor rather than went to the gym. So again similar in, which is why I wanted to talk about this because I see so <laughs> many parallels between what you're doing and and the business of architecture that you don't just jump in you know and 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 start lifting giant weights it's you you start small and you learn what you need to learn you get advice from people who know you you try it and you see how it works. If it doesn't work, you try it a different way. You do it, you know, and, and business is the same way. You have to do the research. You have to learn what you don't know. You have to get the mentors. You have to put the right people in the right places. It's, if you can get a coach, like you said, you had a coach. And so there's, there's many, many parallels to business. Um, how has it also affected you in in terms of, um, mentally and physically obviously after two years of lifting weights you're physically stronger um i'm sure there's confidence that comes with that how does how does your progress with lifting affect you in terms of your personal life and your business life
1: uh, well certainly confidence is a huge thing i mean i think especially um you know in a world where often uh women are sort of told to not talk as much or, or to sort of be smaller or be, you know, not in the forefront of things, um, you know, to have a confidence both physically and psychologically that you can handle things like competition or that you are just physically stronger. Um, it, it makes a huge difference. Um, you know, I, whether it's like getting through a tough workout or something, you know, that's, um, that has spillover for sure. Um, into how I, um, the confidence that I approach my business with, Um, it also gives me confidence in the sense that, you know, not that long ago, I didn't know anything about this and now I do and I'm seeing success. So, you know, one of the things that, that I do in lifting that I have started doing my business, it was a direct carryover Mm -hmm. was in lifting. I have these spreadsheets, like every single workout is planned, planned ahead. I know exactly what I do when I go in there. So I don't walk into the gym and I'm like, I think I'll do X and Y and Z today. I go in and there's a definite plan. Part of it's practical. I don't have time to dilly-dally. I also don't have a lot, you know, I don't don't have a lot of, like, I don't want to waste any time in my training either. Like, I want to make progress as fast as I can and as, as safe as I can. So I have to have a plan going in. So I have each month or six weeks or so I sort of plan out and I have the next six months planned out. And then I I have a spreadsheet, which tells me the next month or so. Then on that spreadsheet, I make notes about my progress so I can look back and see at the beginning of the training cycle, because it it can feel incremental progress is, is frustrating and tough. Sometimes you're like, I, I'm no better than I was like, I feel like nothing's happening. But when you look and you see today I deadlifted whatever weight for five reps where three months ago I could only get two reps, then you can clearly see that you have progressed. And so keeping those training logs is really useful for planning future training and that kind of stuff. But it's also a psychological thing. It's also knowing that the incremental progress is happening. So that you, and then of course you compete and you see, wow, my numbers are all way bigger than they were six or eight months ago. And you can see that progress. And I think it, you know, it's carried over into business where there are certain numbers, whether it's actual sort of, whether it's revenue numbers or, or other quantity numbers that I'm able to put together that I can just track. And, you know, I was doing it for a while with, um, with my social media accounts, which i should do again. But basically I would write down each week how many followers I had because I felt like I'm not getting any followers and I'm not growing my social media accounts when I actually tracked it. I could see. Oh, I gained 52 followers this month.
0: Yeah. Incremental progress.
1: Right. And but for me, it's about writing it down mm-hmm. and and tracking that incremental progress that actually registers it as actual progress
0: yeah I, I love that idea that that and, and that's key performance indicators you hear KPIs yeah. all the time um, you can go on the site go to entrearchitect.com/ search search in uh, key performance indicators and you'll find articles and podcasts all about it it that is how you not only can, can track your progress you know in terms of okay we're, we're, we're getting better, but you can see where you've made the mistakes and where things – where decisions you've made has slowed down that progress by tracking those things. And so yep. it's so important. And I love that analogy of, of you're only going to get as good as you're going to get by these little incremental improvements. Those little incremental improvements, one after another, just one step and one step and one step and one step finally leads you to where you need to go. I, I talk about um, um, small victories lead to great reward. That if you just just set these little tiny goals and hit this goal and then hit that goal and then hit that goal, you're going to keep improving and you're going to get better and better and better.
1: And the the key is, too, that the people who are the best have done that. And so when I talk to lifters who are way more advanced than me and I say, um, you know, there's a sense of like, well, I can only bench this much, you know. And they're like, well, I remember when I couldn't when I benched 50 pounds less than that you know, like I remember my first time in the gym when I couldn't even bench the bar or something like that. And you're like, Oh, right. Yeah. You had to learn this too. So the, I think there's this, and this is a, it's a paralysis thing. Like we feel like, well, I can't, unless I'm going to do the big thing, I can't do anything. Right. It's like, well, no, you can go. Anything is better than nothing. Well, that's not true. Not anything is better than nothing, but, but progress towards your goal is progress towards your goal. It doesn't, Matter if it's one step or ten steps, um, and so I think actually doing that—that is really important. The it's a concept we all understand intellectually, but to actually do it is really helpful. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I, uh, I follow Gary Vaynerchuk. Do you do you follow Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah, of course. He, yeah. He, he talks about clouds and dirt. I love yeah. that analogy of clouds and dirt. He talks about clouds and dirt, that it's all his success and, and success of any business is clouds and dirt. Clouds is, is the big vision. It's the big idea. It's the dream. It's the thing that you want to achieve. And then the dirt is you get in the dirt and you do the work. You do it incrementally. You have patience and consistency and persistence, and you just keep going step yeah. by step by step in the dirt, down on the ground, in the dirt. So it's all yep. about clouds and dirt. It's when you get stuck in the middle where you're, where you're dreaming about what we're going to do and you someday I'm going to do that and you don't make any plans and you don't do the work and you just, it's, you just wait for it to show up. That's when you don't make that progress. But when yeah, you're in the dirt, doing it over and over and over again and tracking your progress while you're in the dirt, you're eventually going to get to where you want to be that you've been dreaming about with your clouds. I love that analogy. And I, when he talks about that, I get all... I'm like, that is it. That is it. It Get out of that middle area and get down in the dirt. Cause I'm great at the clouds. (laughs) My whole (laughs) life is the clouds. It's the dirt for me that is hard, you know, getting in there and doing it step by step and tracking your progress and seeing that incremental progress is, is the motivational piece is the inspirational piece. That's the thing that keeps you going. If you don't do that kind of tracking and see your progress, then you don't, you get frustrated And you, you're like, Oh, I don't make, I'm not making any progress. So why, why should I even bother? But when you, when you track it and you see, oh, I'm in, I'm making, look at what I was last month. Look what I was last year. Look what I was two years ago. Look where I am today. And so, you know, there's going to be progress and then two years are going to be even better. So I love this.
1: Well, it's also, it's also not a key to this is that it's not linear. So that's, (laughs) so there's this idea that if I just had five pounds a week, you know, in three years, I'll be deadlifting two thousand pounds. And you're like, well, actually, no, like that's not how it works. So, so something else I've sort of started to learn is that tracking your progress and understanding progress is not understanding it as a linear, straight path, but saying like I've I've experienced injuries and I've had to kind of work back from those injuries, and that was very frustrating because I felt like all the work I had done was now undone. And what I, I wouldn't be able to, uh, to progress. I lost all this ground. Well, it turns out that I, could, I, gained, I regained the ground faster than I did the first time because I had done it once before. And it was tracking it and understanding it that made me feel um, that I was coming back from that. So, so to be clear, it's not, it's not a linear thing. There are certainly setbacks along the way. Um, that, that you have, but the more practice you have at sort of incrementally progressing, the less those setbacks will completely undermine your whole self.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's so, I I can go on for hours talking about this, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's so interesting to, I mean, it's inspiring and, and, and motivational to watch you, um, have dedicated yourself to this and to see the progress that you've made. And and the passion that you have for it, and the excitement of achieving what you've achieved, I'm proud of you, and I'm I'm excited to watch watch you grow. Uh, Thanks, Mark. <laughs> you're welcome. Before we wrap up here, I want to ask you the question that I ask everybody here: What's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow?
1: I so I've been thinking long and hard about what I want to say to this question, um, and it's. I wish I had like the, I think you should understand your value. Mm -hmm. I think you should find a way to understand your value. So that means that could mean setting up a way to track your incremental progress. (laughs) That could be um, looking back at a success that you had and saying like, yeah, I brought value to that situation. That could be on your next fee proposal, not lowering the number before the client tells you that it's too high. That could mean a lot of things. Um, to be successful in business, you have to believe in your value. You have to believe you can lift the weight no matter what. And you have to you have to believe that all the work you have done, plus the heart that you bring, will get the job done. And I so whatever you need to do to understand and internalize the value you bring. To the project or to your business
0: that's what you should do yeah to internalize it first because you can't express it outwardly if you can't understand it yourself
1: that's right and it's not a it's not a like hubris thing it's kind of the opposite of that it's yeah. it's understanding because it requires you to be humble to understand what what your limitations might be um but yeah that's what i would say understand yeah. your value
0: good one very good one uh, runcible studios.com is the website. Go check that out. You can, uh, connect with Marilyn at runcible studios on Instagram and M W Modinger. So it's M W M O E D I N G E R M W Modinger <laughs> <at, laughs> on, on Twitter. So go check her out. We'll have links to all of this on our show notes. So just go to the show notes for the show. Uh, go connect with Marilyn and say hi and thank her for the knowledge that she shared here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Marilyn, thank you. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure. So there you go. Episode 224 with Marilyn Modinger. Very inspirational story. Thank you, Marilyn, for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast and you right now listening right now. This is episode 224 entrearchitect.com slash episode 224. That's the link, entrearchitect.com slash episode 224. That's all I ask is for you to share that link. Type that into your browser right now. Share a link with your friend. Put it on Twitter, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram if you want to put together a little graphic. I would appreciate it. Just email it, post it to a friend. Just whatever you need to do, get the word out there about what we're doing here at Entree Architect, because that's how we grow. We are growing exponentially. And the only reason we're growing exponentially is because you are sharing the episodes. I see it every week. I see the bump every week where this episode gets shared by you. So please do it. Do it right now. And while you're at it, go visit my friends at ArcaSpeak and Inside the Firm. So ArcaSpeak, Inside the Firm. And Entree Architect Podcast. It's like a trifecta. Together, these three podcasts will provide you with everything you need to know about the architecture profession. ArcaSpeak sort of covers the big picture. It's like it's like a virtual water cooler for the profession. Lots of experience, lots of knowledge, a little bit of gossip, and tons and tons of fun. So go check out ArcaSpeak podcast. If you haven't listened to them, go do that. Go subscribe to their show. And my friends over at Inside the Firm, Inside the Firm Podcast. They dive deep into the details of launching and building and growing a small firm. It's like you're listening to a private executive meeting between Lance and Alex, the hosts, their partners in an architecture firm, F9 Productions, and they share their victories, their defeats, everything, everything right there, transparent. They're not filtering anything over there. So go check them out at Inside the Firm Podcast and stay here, right here each week. Come back, come back next week. I invite you to come back next week to Entree Architect Podcast for everything you need to build a successful business as an entrepreneur architect. So make sure you subscribe and don't miss a show. We have we have many, many more guests coming in uh, and sharing their knowledge. They're all lined up, ready to go. So don't miss a show. Go right now over to entrearchitect.com slash iTunes. That'll drop you over to iTunes. You can subscribe there and maybe, maybe you can even drop me uh, a, a review and let me know how we're doing over here at, at Entree Architect podcast. It's a little quiet over here. I need some feedback. Let me know what I'm doing good or well. Let me know what I'm not doing so well. Please do that. Go over to EntreeArchitect.com iTunes and, and uh, go drop a little rating and review. Let me know and that'll sort of tell some other people about what we're doing over here. And the Entree Architect community on Facebook. This is blowing up, blowing up. We get like 50, 60 new members every week. This is a private Facebook group exclusive to small firm architects. It is the most interactive, most supportive, most encouraging, most positive place on the internet for small firms. This is where you wanna be. This is where you can go and ask a question. You'll get 30, 40 responses to your most critical questions and it's private. So only architects are in there. Nobody else sees what you're posting and it is 100% supportive. There is no negativity allowed. I monitor the group. Um, if, if this starts getting a little you know, uh, clicky or, or we start getting a little aggressive, which doesn't happen, because people know there's a culture in there of, of support and encouragement and that we're all in this together. It's like a family. And we just don't do that stuff in there. So go join it right now. entrearchitect.com group will get you inside. Uh, you can you can request a membership and if you're an architect or studying to be one, we'll let you in. If not, don't even try because we're not going to let you in sorry. the profit for small firm Architects course it's a free course ready for you to download. We'll show you how to build a profit plan for your small firm. That's how you'll succeed as an architect. get your numbers right and you'll have more time, more resources you'll have more fun as a small firm architect and you'll have a practice that allows you to live that life that you want to live, a life that you'll love. So go down, go, go go right now, go download Profit for Small Firm Architects, the course, it's free. It's a virtual course, digital course, a video course. I share what you need to know to build a profitable architecture firm, and it's free. Right now, entrearchitect.com slash free course. That's easy to remember, right? entrearchitect.com slash free course. One more thing to remember my name. My name is Mark Arlepage and I am an entrepreneur architect. And I know you are too. If you're running a small firm, then you are an entrepreneur architect. And I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. And these are the three things you need to learn. These are the three things you need to remember every day, every week, share this stuff. Love, learn, share what you know. That's all you need to know in life. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.